Hey guys, what's up? Happy Friday and welcome back. Thanks so much for tuning in this week for another episode of the BMUSE Reviews Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Musica. As always, we're going to analyze, review, and discuss the latest news and dive into the past regarding movies, music, video games, and much, much more. If you don't already, be sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at BMUSE Reviews and tune in to the BMUSE Reviews Podcast each week on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, and all other streaming platforms. If you're watching on YouTube, we thank you so much for tuning in. Please be sure to like, subscribe, leave a comment below, and hit the bell icon to receive notifications that inform you exactly when our podcast and all other video content goes live. If there's a question or topic that you'd like us to discuss on the podcast, send them to bmusereviews at gmail.com with podcast, question slash topic in the subject line. With all that out of the way, let's not waste any more time and get right to this week's news. Welcome everyone to the BMUSE Reviews Podcast. And all right, and that brings us to topic number one today. HBO Max and Discovery Plus are set to merge into one streaming service. A major announcement came out this week informing us that Discovery will be buying and taking over Warner Media. Because of this news, one major question is on everyone's minds, and it's really how will this affect HBO and HBO Max in particular? Will they choose to create a bundle deal like Disney Plus and Hulu? Or will they keep both platforms, HBO Max and Discovery Plus, entirely separate? Or will they combine the two and create one new platform? Well, the results are in. They are going to create one platform to merge the two existing platforms together. If you have Discovery Plus now, you know the overwhelming amount of content that's on that platform. The overwhelming amount of content is real. It's, it's, it's insane the amount of shows that they have on there. And HBO Max in its own right has a plethora of new content as well. This new platform is going to be enormous. It's going, uh, it's really honestly hard to comprehend how much content is going to be on this thing. Reading this news, I almost had to take a deep breath just to, just to let this sink in. Um, I'm telling you if, you, if you go on either one of these platforms, especially Discovery Plus, you'll likely be asking yourself the same question. How in the world are they going to pull this off? Well, by saving $3 billion per year, that's how. By making this move and merging the content from both existing platforms onto one, Discovery is set to save approximately $3 billion. The operations for these platforms is just astronomical. And these amounts don't even include the acquisitions for certain rights, advertising costs, etc., for Disney Plus, the operation costs for that platform alone are in the ballpark of, I think, like $7 billion per year. Just let that sink in. $7 billion per year. 
for the operation costs of the streaming platform itself. That does not include the acquisitions and advertising and marketing and everything else we just mentioned. In terms of Discovery and its latest acquisition of Warner Media, though, they believe the new platform will offer a wide range of appeal and become one of, if not the most successful streaming platforms that are utilized today. Most of the users of Discovery Plus watch their content during the day, and while HBO Max, their users typically watch content during the evening hours, they look at this as a very unique opportunity for Discovery to take the streaming entertainment industry by storm and to really change the game. This is huge news, and this is only the start. This is only the start. I can, I seriously cannot even comprehend the amount of content that's going to be on this thing. It's hard to even go through Discovery Plus as it is. It's overwhelming in the best of ways, but I mean, it's there's just so much. This is really going to change the industry, the entertainment industry as a whole, and this is very big news. I'm going to kick off the podcast talking about this as really, really major stuff, and it's going to change a lot of what streaming is in the future for sure. Now, topic number two today, Jaden Smith possibly set to star in a live action Miles Morales Spider-Man movie. That is the big question this week. The possibility of Jaden Smith starring as Miles Morales or a different MCU hero due to the comments made by Will Smith recently. This is all detailed in a recent article from CBR and I quote, Will Smith fueled rumors that his son actor Jaden Smith is in talks for a major role in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. My son is preparing himself physically and mentally to get to a place as one of the characters who will make history for the first time in the saga of a movie that many already know and ask for, Smith said in a statement reported by Pop Time. Earlier this year, Jaden Smith encouraged rumors that he was being considered for a Marvel role by sharing a photo of himself in a movie-accurate Spider-Man mask. The photo was shared just days after a scooper account, My Time to Shine Hello, tweeted, Marvel had talks with Jaden Smith no less about a role. End quote. I would take all this with a grain of salt as absolutely nobody has confirmed this or repeated Will Smith's sentiments. However, Tom Holland did make comments back in December when promoting Spider-Man No Way Home, and he mentioned that maybe it is a good idea for a Miles Morales to be introduced. And these recent comments from Will Smith and also when you have the picture, when you start connecting the dots, this is a actually very real possibility. It's definitely a possibility for things to have been put in motion even back then, thus leading to these comments from Will Smith and now the rumors. Will a Miles Morales live action movie be put into motion in the near future? Is it already? Will Jaden Smith be the one to score the role? Or will it be another actor? Who would you like to see play Miles Morales? Email us and let us know how you feel about this. And if you're watching on YouTube, comment down below. Topic number three today. Deadpool 3 officially is in development and has its director. News broke earlier this week that Deadpool 3 has found its director in Sean Levy. According to The Hollywood Reporter, and I quote, The director is in negotiations to team up with star Ryan Reynolds for the Marvel property. After previously collaborating on 20th Century's pandemic-era hit Free Guy and the just-released sci-fi adventure movie The Atom Project on Netflix. 
fans have been chomping at the bit for another chapter in the raunchy, violent, and of course hilarious Deadpool series since the 2018 sequel, which added Josh Brolin as Cable and Zazie Beetz as Domino. Frequent Reynolds collaborators Rhett Reese and Paul Warnick, who penned the scripts for the first two films, are now working on Deadpool 3. This will be the first Deadpool film following Disney's acquisition of 20th Century Fox, which released the first two installments. End quote. Really looking forward to seeing what this brings. It's great to see the relationship between Sean Levy and Ryan Reynolds continue to grow and continue to produce successful films as well. I've yet to see Free Guy and I've yet to see Adam Project. Both are films that I definitely plan to watch for the YouTube channel as well. Be sure to keep an eye out for when those reactions and reviews come out. But really excited to hear this. Deadpool series has been immensely successful so far. Really happy that they've, they've stuck behind it with its R rating and staying true to the character and what it's meant to be and not pulling any punches whatsoever. That's for sure, especially if you've seen the first two films. Really looking forward to what this collaboration along with the original writers and Rhett Reese and Paul Warner coming back for this third film, what that all brings and what that gives us. Really excited to see what comes next. And it's time for the Chimmy Changas. On topic number four today, in some sad and unfortunate news, it was reported earlier this week that actor William Hurt has passed away at the age of 71, just a week before his birthday. Hurt earned himself three consecutive nominations for the Academy Award for Best Actor for The Kiss of the Spider-Woman in 1985, in which he won the award, Children of a Lesser God in 1986, and Broadcast News in 1987. He also starred in many other movies throughout his career, including Lost in Space, Into the Wild, Robin Hood, History of Violence, and most recently Black Widow in the role of General Thaddeus Ross within the MCU. Just want to extend thoughts and condolences to his family and closest friends. May he rest in peace. Moving on to topic number five today, we're going to recap and review this week's past episode of AEW Dynamite, the St. Patrick's Day Slam live from San Antonio, Texas. The show kicked off with a six-man tag team match between the team of AEW World Champion Hangman Adam Page and AEW Tag Team Champions Jurassic Express as they took on the team of Adam Cole and Red Dragon. There were many great spots throughout the match, including a triple moonsault from Page and Jurassic Express all from the same turnbuckle. Hangman Page also had the hot tag at one point in the match and pulled on an absolute clinic with a series of strikes to his opponents to all sides of the ring. It was absolutely incredible. However, Adam Cole was able to hit the boom on Jungle Boy with his knee pad down, allowing him to pick up the victory for himself and Red Dragon. After the match, we received another weekly backstage segment with Keith Lee. This time, he was approached by FTW champion Ricky Starks and Powerhouse Hobbs, both of Team Taz. They all previewed their various matches that are coming up tonight on AEW Rampage, which is set to air at a special start time on TNT, directly following the NCAA March Madness Tournament game. Next on the show, we saw the team of John Moxley and Brian Danielson, managed by William Regal, as they took on Chuck Taylor and Wheeler Yuta of the Best Friends faction. They were accompanied by Trent, Orange Cassidy and Danhausen as they stood along the outside of the ring. After Mox and Danielson managed to pick up yet another victory, this time via submission, Wheeler Yuta 
walked back down to the ring, leaving best friends looking on. He hopped back into the ring to shake William Regal's hand, and then Regal slapped the absolute shit out of Wheeler Yuta. It sounded like a cannon going off with the echo in that arena. Next on this show, we saw the formal debut of the Jericho Appreciation Society, where Chris Jericho cut a promo in the ring saying that all other individuals in the back at AEW are nothing but pro wrestlers, and that he and his guys in the Jericho Appreciation Society are better because they are sports entertainers. This did not go over well with the fans in attendance, as you can imagine. Jericho is the greatest though when serving as a main heel for a company and this shows. And I think it's interesting based on how William Regal's team of Mox and Danielson have been booked so far. In addition to the tease of younger, newer pro wrestling talent potentially joining the faction under Regal's mentorship, AEW could seriously be building a mega storyline that could eventually culminate into the pro wrestlers versus the sports entertainers. It's a really interesting thought. We'll have to wait and see. It's one that popped in my mind while seeing this all unfold and really thinking about it afterwards. We'll have to wait and see. FTR was then shown backstage with Tony Schiavone where they gave their reasons for firing Tully Blanchard last week, citing a clear lack of focus as of late and a lack of focus that ultimately led to the team losing their AEW Tag Team Championship. The Young Bucks then confronted FTR saying that as long as they're around in AEW, FTR will always be the number two tag team. Scorpio Sky then made his first defense of his newly obtained TNT Championship as he took on the face of the ladder match winner and number one contender for the title, Wardlow. This match did fall a bit flat for me as the ending we pretty much all assumed would take place did, almost on cue. Sean Spears came down the ramp and as Wardlow was distracted, MJF ran out from the crowd, threw Wardlow into the ringside post, then throwing him back into the ring. Scorpio Sky then quickly rolled up Warlow and scored the pinfall victory. Now, this cheap win really makes Scorpio Sky look like a weak champion in my opinion here. And I would have much rather seen the two showcase their immense talent in the ring rather than an actual payoff ending with MJF actually paying off and handing a stack of cash to Dan Lambert. You know, it is what it is. We'll have to wait and see how these play out from here. Hopefully Scorpio Sky gets more opportunities to defend the title properly from here on out and this ultimately gives MJM more massive heat as he's always looking for and he, he definitely gets for sure. Next on the show the Hardys made their AEW debut as a reunited tag team taking on Matt Hardy's former protege team in private party. The Hardys picked up the victory in a fun nostalgia filled match. Andrade and what is now his faction came down to the ring after the match but soon after, Darby Allen and Sting ran down and hopped in the ring before Andrade and his team could invade. With only 20 minutes left on the show, the main event came with number one contender Thunder Rosa taking on AEW Women's Champion Dr. Britt Baker for the title in a steel cage match. Thunder Rosa entered the arena dressed as an authentic matador along with an all-women's mariachi band playing before her main entrance theme. Both women bled early on in this hellacious match as Britt Baker also took a sick bump when being thrown from the top rope onto a tower of chairs landing directly on her spine. Although the finish of the match did feel a bit rushed because of the TV time running out, the back-to-back -back thumbtack spots were absolutely brutal and ended the match and the show with a bang along with a newly crowned 
AEW Women's Champion, Thunder Rosa. Congratulations to her winning the championship, putting on a great show. Both women putting on a great show in Thunder Rosa's hometown of San Antonio and ultimately making this year's AEW St. Patrick's Day Slam yet another one to remember. Now, topic number six today, we've got a bunch of new trailers this week. And the first one I want to talk about, Tokyo Vice. Based on a true story, this series follows a Western journalist working for a publication in Tokyo as he takes on one of the city's most powerful crime bosses. This 10-episode series stars Anzel Elgort, Ken Watanabe, and Rachel Keller. And it's also set to release in a few weeks on April 7th on HBO Max. This is definitely one that we'll be watching for our YouTube channel, for sure. This looks awesome. Definitely up my alley with a thriller crime drama, especially being based on a true story. It looks really original. And the music in the trailer reviews some a great score for the series as well, I think. Definitely looking forward to checking this one out. I wanted to recommend it to you guys to check out as well. Next up for new trailers, we have just received our very first look at the upcoming third season of Barry. I absolutely love this show and I highly recommend it to everyone. Just the general tagline for the show as well, no spoilers. The series centers around a man from the Midwest that moves to Los Angeles and gets caught up in the city's theater art scene. The show stars Bill Hader, who is also one of the co-creators of the series, along with Steven Root, Sarah Goldberg, and Henry Winkler. The show is really great, and I definitely think you should check it out, especially if you're a fan of dark comedies. The third season is set to premiere on April 24th on HBO Max, and the seasons are compiled of only 30-minute episodes, so you have plenty of time to catch up on the first two seasons between now and then. And last but not least, we've received our very first look at the upcoming miniseries, the Pentaveret, from the mind of the one and only Mike Myers. This series follows an unlikely Canadian journalist who finds himself embroiled in a mission to uncover the truth and just possibly save the world himself. This series stars Mike Myers, Ken Jong, Keegan-Michael Key, has Jeremy Irons as its narrator and stars many more as well. I'm really looking forward to this. The trailer seems wacky and just fun and exciting and definitely something that you would want from a Mike Myers series. And I know that the concept of this series is actually based on a line that's in another Mike Myers film and one that I highly recommend that you check out called So I Married an Axe Murderer. It's a dark romantic comedy and a very underrated film from the 90s. Mike Myers plays his father in, in the film in a, uh, in a small role and there's a there's a scene where he mentions the Pentaveret by name. And I'm sure you can find that clip on YouTube, but I highly recommend you checking out the film as well. The Pentaveret is set to premiere on May 5th on Netflix. I'm really looking forward to watching this series. And most of all, I'm just really happy to see that Mike Myers is creating and writing comedies again. Right now, comedy is something that the world needs more than ever. And who better to provide some laughter than the great Mike Myers? Can't wait. Now, topic number nine today, switching gears, I wanted to talk about the newest album from the band Ghost, one of the best rock and heavy metal bands making music and touring today. Their original look and sound is the gift that keeps on giving. And their new album, Impira, features 12 original songs that bring everything you expect from a Ghost album, along with some new surprises as well. An excerpt from Bandcamp reads, and I quote, Ghost's fifth psalm, Impira, is the most biting and political yet and that from a band who has toppled many a church in just under a decade of existence. 
The dozen songs take on themes of isolation and demigod worship, as well as colonization of both space and mind. The songs are critical yet sympathetic to a new world order. The new leader, Papa Four, has stirred yet is not shaken, building himself up to lead Ghost to further global domination. In his way are not only the vestiges of a global plague, but his confidence as the person to deliver on the promise and messages of these songs. As we head into our third year of these 20s, the world is poised for new hope and new direction. And for this, legions of ghost fans await Papa Four's first moves. End quote. Personal favorite songs on the album for myself include Kaiserion, Call Me Little Sunshine, Hunter's Moon, Darkness at the Heart of My Love, and Respite on the Spital Fields. This album is really growing on me the more I listen to it. I've listened to it about two or three times already. And for myself, it only gets better and better each time I listen to it. Highly recommend checking out the newest album from Ghost and definitely seeing them on tour when they come to a city near you. On topic number 10 today, just want to preview some upcoming content that's currently being completed for YouTube, including movie reactions and gameplay videos. Movie reactions will start off with some random picks of movies that I have yet to watch, and then we'll take your recommendations and add them to our watch list. As mentioned, Gameplay videos will also be coming soon. We'll be diving into my vast collection of retro games. Picks will start off random as well. And then much like our movie reactions, we'll take your recommendations and add them to our list to play for the channel and complete. For your reference, the complete master list of my retro game collection is included in our link tree. All important links are always provided in the descriptions. And with that, just about wraps up our last installment of the BMU's Reviews podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Musica. Be sure to follow us on Instagram and TikTok at BMU's Reviews. Be sure to listen every week on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, and all other streaming platforms. If you're watching on YouTube, we thank you and ask you to like, leave a comment, subscribe, and hit the bell icon. That way, you receive notifications that inform you exactly when our podcast goes live, as well as all other video content. We'll be back next Friday with another episode of the BMU's Reviews podcast, so stay tuned for more. And as always, in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Where are you from? What message did you read?